Hey there, I'm Kevin Daisy. And I'm Eric Olson. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Managing Partners Podcast. I'm Kevin Daisy, and I'm your host. And as always, I'm out there looking for the best guest I can find, talking to experts, attorneys, and, and bringing whoever I can. So today I have a really cool guest, special guest I'm sure you've heard of, Brian Glass. Welcome to the show. You're too kind, man. How are you? I am good. And if you haven't heard of Brian, you've probably heard of his dad, Ben Glass, uh, who was on the show with us um, a little while back. But just pioneers. These guys have been in the business for a long time. And they understand running law firms, and that's what they spend a lot of their time doing and teaching others. Uh, so they they give back. Um, I follow Brian and, and Ben both, and they're active. You know, they get up in the mornings, they work out, they they do all the things you should be doing. And so, yeah, I appreciate you all you know sharing so much with the communities and not just being attorneys and focus on your own stuff. I saw you also were posting from the gym at six o'clock this morning. So you're, <laughs> you're out there also, my man. That's right. So uh, I, I just try to keep up with you guys, you know, so, but yeah, you know, I think, you know, kind of on that subject is um, we read and we know most people know things that you should be doing, what to eat, what not to eat, what to do. Uh, but I think it's different people that actually do it and follow through with it and do your power list and take notes and, Plan your goals and all this stuff, right? It sounds great, but actually doing it, right? And running a law mm-hmm. firm, you get caught up with running a law firm and all the problems and, and things that come about it. And of course, you might love the work and you get caught up in the work and it's it's harder to do those things. So anyway, that being said, just kind of teeing you up for that is just, you guys have done such a good job running your firm, but also spending a lot of time helping others uh, run and grow their firms. So we have some great content today. Anyone listening, tuning in right now. And so, uh, Brian, I guess just give me your your background as an attorney yeah. first, and then we'll we'll kind of get into some other things. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad you mentioned Ben because I feel like I'm always walking in the shadow, and whether that's in my head or or not, that impacted all the decisions that I made in the beginning of my career. So I graduated law school in 2008. And if anybody has been practicing for about 15 years, you remember this time. It was a time where we went to law school because we were promised $160,000 salaries as first-year associates. And then the credit market crunch happened in 08, and, and many of us didn't get those jobs. And then the people that were smarter than us and you know would have gotten those jobs trickled down into the small firm jobs, into the government jobs. It was a really hard time to get employed coming out of law school. So I had about 160 big firm rejection letters in the spring of 2008. That was fun. Every day, the mailman brought another one to my uh, little townhouse. And I ended up at a general practice firm and I lasted there for about four months, trading dollars for hours before I discovered uh, personal injury law. And and it's funny that I say discovered because Ben has been a personal injury and a medical malpractice lawyer for, I don't know, 30, 35, 40 years, 40 years now. And But the thing is that I didn't want to practice with him, at least not initially. I wanted to go and make my own name and make my own friends and make my own way of doing things. And so the first 10 years of my career, I was an associate first and then a partner at a firm across town trying auto accident cases, ostensibly competing with him in that personal injury auto accident space in Fairfax, Virginia. And then five years ago, this January, 
I left that firm to come over and work for him. I had a couple of family events go on. And, and one of the themes of our, the coaching that we give people is like, you have, you have one way trip through life, right? And you have to always make decisions that are in the best interest of you and of your family. And the decision point that we came to as he was 60 and as the firm I was at decided not to expand over into some other space. And my wife had a, a really difficult third child birth and ended up in the ICU was like, if I don't leave now and go and practice with my dad, I might never get that opportunity to. So five years ago, I left out, uh, the, left the firm where I was a partner. I came and joined him. Uh, I now run our auto accident practice at Ben Glass Law. He runs a long-term disability appeals practice, which is a nationwide practice. And we've grown about 3x or 4x in the five years that I've been here. So it's been a good, a good decision, but there were a lot of a lot of times and a lot of conversations we had was like, well, what if I come over here and it sucks and we have to blow it up? <laughs> but everything has worked out really well. And in the last year or so, I've, I've also come on to his other business, which is called Great Legal Marketing. It's a consulting and a coaching and a mastermind program for solo and small firm lawyers who are looking to have, you know, what I would call a whole life millionaire style life, right? So most lawyers go to law school to make a bunch of money without really thinking about what we have to trade to make that money and without really thinking about what you would do if you had it anyway. So we focus on constructing your life, or constructing your practice around the life that you want and not the other way around, which is the thing that I think most lawyers get wrong and law school never teaches you. Yeah, spot on. I love it. I appreciate the background. And you know, it's like you, you try to avoid working with your dad and here you are. So, uh, but I think you know, it, it worked out. The thing is you, you went on your own, you did your thing, you got experience, which I think is great. I mean, versus, uh, you know, some family members just like, I'm just going to work for you. And then, you know, they never go out, they don't learn experience. Maybe they think they they're owed it or they, you know, don't have to work for it. So, uh, I like that, that you did that. And that says a lot about you. So I went over to working with your dad. I wanted to really focus on you know, great legal marketing and the things that you guys are doing there. And, you know, you just had a summit recently. Yeah. When was that back in uh, October, I believe? Back right? in October. Yeah. About two months ago. Yeah. So if you, if you're not familiar with great legal marketing, you can go just Google great legal marketing or Brian glass or Ben glass, uh, GLM, you will find all the information you want. But, uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about first is one of the issues you're seeing right now. Uh, more than ever with attorneys and uh, mental issues, mental health, people leaving the field. I want to talk about that a little bit, uh, you know, and then get into talking about the summit and what the takeaways were and, and how people can, can really get a lot of value from something we can share with them here in a bit. So Yeah. So this is, you know, the challenge of being a lawyer is that it's a stressful job, right? And the bar and law schools, I think, do a particularly crappy job of telling us that that is the way that it's supposed to be. So I remember my law school commencement ceremony being told by the guest guest speaker, whoever the uh, guest speaker is not the right word, but the, <laughs> the speaker of honor, right? That, okay, yeah. now that you're a lawyer, you are beholden to your clients first, last, and always, and you're gonna sacrifice your family and you're gonna sacrifice nights and weekends and vacations. And we always have to answer the clients. And I just think that's fundamentally wrong, right? Mm. And, but that, ethos leads us to, you know, trailing only doctors and dentists in depression, suicide, anxiety, divorce, alcoholism, right? 
we have all of these things because we don't know how to cope with the stresses of the law. And we don't know how to cope with the stresses of the law because we're told that this is normal and this is the way that it's supposed to be. And that if you don't like it, you can go and do something else. And so what you signed you know, up for. Yeah, it's what you signed up for. And you, you know, and you're not mentally tough enough to handle it. Right. And the bars, the established bars answer to those lawyer wellness problems are yoga, breathing, you know, and, and now I have to, in Virginia, I have to take one hour of a wellness CLE every three years as part of my continuing legal education program. And, the trick. and none of it is around build the kind of business and have the kinds of clients that you actually want to work for. Uh, because those kinds of clients will make you happy. And the thing is, Kevin, if you design your practice that way and you have clients that respect your boundaries and your time and don't expect you to answer at seven o'clock on a Saturday night, then you can put those kinds of people first. But it starts with you. You've got to be happy and secure in your family and, and your home life before you can serve clients very well. The leading cause of legal malpractice and, and legal ethics complaints is lack of communication with clients which happens because we set up these relationships with them and then we don't like them. And so we don't return their phone calls. We don't update them on cases, right? Well, what if it, it, you just flipped it? And the, the first or the second time that you start having those issues with them, you say, listen, you can't treat my staff like that, right? You, mm -hmm. you, I'm not yep. going to yep. return your phone call at seven o'clock on a Saturday night. And if that's a problem for you, then there's plenty of other lawyers who think that that's the standard way to live and you can go hire one of them. And so mm -hmm. what we teach at GLM is how to design marketing, number one, that attracts people that are going to respect your time and elevate yourself to a position in your law firm where you're only working on the things that are the highest and best use of your time. Many times that's the lawyering, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's, okay, I'm really good at attracting attention and I can have somebody else do the lawyering, or I'm really good at creating a vision that attracts great staff who's going to take care of my clients and it frees the lawyer up to really work on the things that they are good at and delegate everything else to somebody else hey there this is kevin daisy your host and founder of array digital if you're tired of wasting money with agencies that just can't get it done then please check out my law firm digital marketing agency at arraydigital.com if you contact us there You'll be sure to line up a meeting with me where we'll walk through your exact situation and come up with a plan for what you can do to improve your marketing results. I look forward to talking to you. Now back to the show. I love it. And here's the thing is, it's not the same, but my business is the same way. We can have clients that walk all over us, me and my staff, we, we fire them pretty, pretty rapidly. But uh, with any business, but especially for, I think, uh, lawyers, because for one, you're not taught any of this stuff, how to run a business, hire staff, processes and systems. It's, it's really all about the law. And so uh, it's just so many are, I see that are, that are stuck in the business and the work, and they never set these things in place. So they're just kind of running rampant and these things are just happening to them, right? And mm -hmm. they just assume, I think, that that's, that's just, that's it. That's just part of it. Um, it's, it's what I signed up for, basically what we were saying earlier. <clears throat> Instead of stepping back and saying, hey, what do I really want? How can I get the, make the biggest impact? And that's another thing, too. Uh, without, without growth and planning to grow, you're not giving back to your staff, your family, and you can't help the clients if you're, 
you have no processes, you have no way to communicate. You you're just you're making them upset. You're having bad communication. So there's just mess of a mm-hmm. life that you're gonna have if you don't step back out of it and say, what do I really want? What do I need to do? Where can I find help? Um, I, so- I love that you went there because I think, in, and I know that this is going to come out in January. But the happy New Year, everyone. Well, Happy New Year. And I hope yeah. that you're still on track with your resolutions. But if you're not, I want to invite you to set some new ones because what most people do is they go, I want to make 10% more money or 25% more money than I did last year. Or I want to lose 10 pounds or I want to lose 20 pounds or I want to take more days off. Or, and, and we set these uh, goalposts. And the thing is that every time you hit those goalposts, they just keep moving because they aren't actually the things that, that make you happy. I, I heard uh, earlier this week, somebody say, you don't actually want a $10 million firm. You want the way that you think a $10 million firm is going to make you feel. And so when you think about stepping back and asking what you actually want, like lawyers and, and most people, not, not to pick on lawyers, but we never do this. You never sit back and say, here's what I actually want out of my life. And if you, I think the exercise is, Define your perfect week or your perfect month at work without saying anything about money or number of clients, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of things do you want to be working on? What kind of an impact do you want to have? And if you focus on that and you can elevate to being the number one in your space on those things, then the money follows. But when you focus on the money and you chase the next 10%, the goalpost just keeps moving as your, your kids spend your money <laughs> or you want to go on other vacations or you've got to get the car to keep up with the partners or the other guys, you know, the other guys and girls in the courthouse, like the goalpost just keeps moving. And so stepping back and defining what it is that actually makes you happy is the, like the first principle step that so many people never take. Yeah. And so, you know, you mentioned like, you know, you see a lot of people like leaving the field, right? Leaving the practice of law. Uh, maybe those people did step back and go, ah, I don't want to do this. Or maybe they didn't see a way out because they, they haven't put, they haven't had put any structure in place. Right. So they're, they just see the the craziness that they're in and they're just like, I got to get out of this because there's no way to manage this. And they don't know that Yeah, there's people that run their firms in a way that serve yeah. them and, and, and is part of their life and, and can fit into that. So. I've seen more and more, you know, and maybe it's maybe it's just the bias of looking on LinkedIn and these are the kind of people that are posting the most on LinkedIn. But as you hit that 12, 15, 20 year mark, there's a lot of people that have exited law and gone into coaching. And I'm one of them. I'm, I still have an active law practice, but I only want to be involved in the highest level cases and in managing the team. I don't want to go to depositions. I don't want to answer interrogatories. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to answer questions in the middle of the case. What, what Brian is really good at is doing intake and selling people on the firm and what we can achieve for them, negotiating cases at the end and setting up systems and processes that the team can run the the 80 or the 85% of the case that actually isn't legal work most of the time, right? Especially in an auto accident practice, the collection of medical bills and records, the understanding that when we get to certain timeline posts in a case, for instance, 10, 10 or 12 weeks and after physical therapy, okay, I, I'm not going to tell you what you need to do, but we got to be thinking about getting a second opinion from somebody else because the insurance company is not going to want to pay for this. So setting up those systems and then having the team that's able to operate them for you 
frees the lawyer up to work on the things that they really want to do. And so for me, it's like our highest level cases, it's talking to new clients, it's negotiating cases, it's taking cases to trial, but not actually doing any of the work beforehand. And then it's talking with other smart lawyers and law firm owners to find the next thing that you can, next lever that you can pull to optimize your practice, whether it's social media or SEO, or I'll tell you one of the things that we're thinking about for 2024 is canceling all PPC spend and putting that money into a person to be outbound relationship building, almost like a pharmaceutical rep, right? Because in Northern Virginia, that landscape is getting really, really hard to compete on. And so, so, you know, focusing, uh, you, we started, I started down this rabbit hole on people leaving the practice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I think you hit these walls where you're like, is this all it is? Like, is it just, is it for me, is it just another red car hit a blue car? And if so, I don't want to do this for another 30 years. Right. And there are people that do, and that's awesome for them, but I'm not one of them. And so (laughs) that's why, that's why lawyers are leaving because they haven't found the happiness in operating the next case because they're solving the same problem over and over and over and over. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, I used to build websites and design things and I, I was a freelancer turned business owner, hired people, but I still did the work for quite a many years. I don't do any of the work. So I, I fell in love with the business yeah, and, and my team and my employees. Mm-hmm. And so now it's, how do we optimize the business and make it better? And I'm excited about that. So when I bring in a client, I'm excited to bring them in to the team and be like, oh man, wait till you meet all my, my team. They're awesome. They're going to take care of you. And so I'm, I fell in love with that side of things. Mm-hmm. If I had to design websites or write copy all day, I would be miserable. So, you, you know, if you want to be a lawyer, that's great. You know, keep lawyering and, and doing it. But, um, you know, if you find yourself in that spot, you need to, you know, fall in love with the business that you're in and work on that. Mental mistake too, which is assuming that everybody who's, you know, on your path actually wants that path, right? So we've made the mistake of elevating people into leadership positions for whom that actually wasn't a good fit for them. We've done this. Um, and so, so my message is not for all lawyers that you should stop lawyering and, and become the CEO and just run your business, right? Because that's not right for everybody. I have friends that they only want to go and try cases and they don't want to do any marketing. They don't want to learn anything about business. Yep. And I want them to come and work with me <laughs> because like, that's a perfect fit, right? You don't want yeah, to do the stuff yeah. that I'm good at. And I don't want to do the stuff that you love doing. I love it. And uh, no, I've done the same thing. We've, uh, I remember going to one of my employees years ago. I was like, I can't, I'm going to, you know, soon I'm going to be hiring someone that will work under you and you'll be the lead. And, and, and she would, she was like, Hey, but I don't, I don't want to lead anybody. I want mm-hmm. to just do the work. And I'm like, how can that be? I'm an entrepreneur. I'm just like, <clears throat> how could, how could you not want, you know, these opportunities? So some people just, they want to do the work. They love the work. And so we have to see that and understand that and make sure that we're, considering where they want to go. And that's with every employee I have. We have 36 employees here. And yeah. what is their goals? Where do they want to go? And, and is this the right place for them to yeah. get them there? Right. She and, said that um, to you because most, most people would accept the promotion into a role that they didn't actually want to do and then do it poorly and then wash out, which I, honestly, I mm-hmm. think is what happens mm-hmm. to most lawyers. Like you're a second or a third or a fourth year lawyer and you start to get good at something and you don't actually like it lawyer it's one of those professions where like you win the pie eating contest and the pie prize is more pie 
And so <laughs> if, if you don't have the awareness that this is making me unhappy and you don't have the ability and the confidence to stand up and say, I don't actually want to do this thing. I want to go learn this thing over here. Then that's, that's how you end up 15 years in in a niche that you didn't actually enjoy being. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just, life gets you sometimes, right? You got bills to pay. You might, uh, you know, have kids and um, you might be like, well, it's too, too late for me to change now or do anything different. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, you know, those those life events can can get you feeling stuck and that could be a problem as well. Now you got a certain amount of bills, certain lifestyle that you have to maintain. Yeah. Right. Oh, that, and, there you uh, go. That's that's if I'm thing, not a lawyer, I mean, where am I gonna make all this money? Yeah. You know? Yeah, but the thing is, you know, that that is a I think a red herring. Like for most people, I mean I live in Northern Virginia. It's the most expensive place outside yeah, of Fairfax, yeah. San Francisco, uh, in the US almost, New York City, right? Okay, I don't need to make the kind of money that I want to make that I'm making now if I move to Raleigh, North Carolina, or Cleveland, Ohio, or somewhere in Indiana, right? And so, so I think most people, though, you get this narrow tunnel vision of, of again, I've always got to do 10% better because inflation went up 8% in the last year, right? So you do 10% better and your life is not any happier. And so you're just keeping up. <laughs> yeah, you just yeah, you're keeping up. And if and you know, especially at a small firm, like every single year everybody gets raises and the rent goes up. Yeah. And we've got to expand and, and do more revenue year in and year out just so that the the owners can make the same amount of money, right? Mm -hmm. Well, so that's it's almost an argument against against growing the staff and the team because it's hard to exit a law firm. Again, that's a mental block because VC money probably is coming for law firms sometime within the next five or 10 years. Yep. But at least in Virginia for right now, hard to exit a law firm. Yeah, I mean, because legally a, a lawyer has to own a law firm. Except in Virginia. Except in, so, so not in Arizona. Not, I think in, Arizona, also yeah. not, okay. not in Utah and, and maybe not in DC. I'm not 100% <laughs> on those. But, you know, that's those are first movers. And I think, yeah. I think that you're going to see much in the same way that institutional medicine has started to bought up, buy up all these mom and pop physical therapy and orthopedic practices. I think you're going to see the same thing in the law. Yeah. Private equity owners, and then they're going to be buying up practices and rolling them up. Yeah. So uh, on a side note for my listeners here, uh, we own, I own two other marketing companies and one's, one's in the H HVAC space and uh we're in with private equity and that's rampant there. I've always wondered, you know, when's, when's that going to happen in the legal space? And you know, yeah, like you said, it, it's probably something that's not too far out. So, um, but yeah, as you're standing right now, yeah. Do you want to continue to grow? Do you want to keep pushing the goalpost and pushing forward and, and busting your butt, but you're really just keeping up. And, it's a, and staying it's staying a constant that we, so we're, we're heading um, in a couple of weeks for our annual retreat. And that is the, answer that's the question we ask ourselves every single year is where do we want to set the goalposts for growth and if we hit them would we be any happier than we are today that's a good question right there not an argument for for growing or against growing or it's it's the constant philosophical question of i'm 40 i have kids who are 10 8 and 5 and the most important thing in my uh, business 
is to be able to leave the office at four o'clock in the spring and in the fall to go and coach. If you took that away, but we made another, you know, 50% next year, why are we make? what's the point? But that's just for me. I mean, so that's, that's not right or wrong for anybody else. That's just the way that we've structured our lives. I think that's awesome. And I think that adding that, you know, looking at your goals and setting them, that's one step, but actually adding that extra step of, well, what is, what is that going to mean if I did hit that? And like questioning the goal, like, and you're just setting a goal or is like, what would it mean if you actually hit that? Mm-hmm. And would it be life-changing for you? Would it be like, you'd be that much better off? Or is it just like, eh, you know, it sounds like a lot of work to get there and maybe it, it won't improve your life at all. Yeah. And then, well, then you can go in circles like, okay, what if you could hit the goal, but it wasn't a whole lot of work because you figured out not how do I do it, but who can I hire that can do it? So this is, this is why we spend, so every year we spend two days in a cabin in Lake Anna with our our five person leadership team. And we have an EOS implementer that comes in and we, this, these are the questions that we talk through every single year. And then we set 90 day goals. We set annual goals and then we set 90 day rocks around those goals. And it's been instrumental in moving the firm because it's moved us 4X in the five years that I've been here. We come back every year and go, (laughs) do we actually want to achieve that thing that we said that we want to achieve? I love that. In Lake Anna, I was actually looking at buying another rental property there. So let's talk about our farm. (laughs) Yeah, I was looking at another one to buy because I know you got one as well. But the side note... um, but uh, yeah, Lake Anna is beautiful. So I, I want to transition and so you, you kind of draw some hints about, you know, the meetings you have and and, and we talked about the summit, but uh, one of the things you share with me is uh, the GLM summit notes that you, yeah. you have from the cool. summit, the notes you had produced, put together into, a, a, you know, a, a document. And so anyone listening or watching uh, glmsummitnotes.com. Yep. And I think you just put your email in and, and you'll get a copy of basically yeah. the notes. Yeah. From so, the so let me tell you what this is. So every year we put on a three-day event for law firm owners, mostly, and marketing directors. Although I think this stuff is applicable to any lawyer, right? I consider myself in both in this firm and in, in the last firm, I was really an entrepreneur, right? I try to talk to the entrepreneurs who are the number two or the number three people at a law firm where they're happy who don't want to go out and start from scratch their own thing. How do you build your own personal brand? How do you build your own client base in there? So I think these notes are great for that. So what we did, Kevin, is we, we took our, all of the audio and all the video from our three day event and we sent it to Tim Castleman, who's a professional note taker. And he developed 186 pages of notes from the 25 hours of content, 18 speakers across things like digital marketing, personal development, running a great law firm, how to hire a number two, what you should be doing on social media advertising. And we even had a guy, a friend of mine, who'd finished the Spartan death race a couple of years ago, talking about his four-day event in the woods in Vermont. So we had all of these things taken and transcribed into 186 pages of action-packed content that you can take, and we're just giving it to people. So if you go to glmsummitnotes.com, give us your email address, you'll get the 186-page PDF And then what we're doing in GLM is we're we're running a coaching program called The Tribe. We're we're rolling out this year for the first time ever a 12-month curriculum that'll come in the beginning of the month with a module. Uh, January's module is on how to become the CEO of your law firm in your life. 
it'll come with some homework. There'll be a, a mid-month one-to-many coaching call where you can come on and get your answer, questions answered about that. And then you get discounts at our events and some of our other products that we can put out. So we're driving people towards that. What I've found is that I've learned the most, not from podcasts and not from speakers, but from being around and talking to other smart entrepreneurial lawyers. And frankly, you can't do that in a courthouse, like <laughs> because most lawyers don't think this way. And most lawyers don't feel like they have permission to talk about their lives and their businesses with their friends and their colleagues and neighbors. So we developed a nationwide community where lawyers who feel like they are missing entrepreneurial education can come and learn from us and from other people. Oh, I love it. So, so yeah, just your email address and you'll get the That's document. All. And so, yeah, go to GLM, GLM summit. Notes.com. And so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've actually was planning to go to your all summit this year and, and talk to you guys about that. So my plan is to be at that next year. Hear nothing but amazing things from clients and uh, others in the industry that have gone to your events. So you guys do an amazing job. Uh, actually, they this year you guys did a uh, like a live stream uh, that I that tapped into. And so amazing stuff. And, you know, uh, so awesome that you guys put these notes together like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we'll be in Phoenix next year. Uh, it's early October. I'm not exactly sure. I want to say it's October 2nd through the 5th. I don't even think we have a website up yet. But go to glmsummitnotes.com. You'll get the notes. You'll get seated into our email list. You'll get all the information that you could ever want about the summit. Yeah, that's excellent. Awesome. Well, yeah, looking forward to that. I'm going to I'll download that here myself in just a bit. So, well, Brian, I mean, uh, I just appreciate you coming on to share, you know, some of your insights and, and thoughts. Uh, what you're seeing, you know, kind of out there with other lawyers and, and where they might be. And if you're listening right now and you're you're kind of in that place where you're like, oh, you know, I don't know if I want to do this, or maybe you just don't, you don't have that structure in place. Uh, maybe, you know, you're not even sure if that's right for you, right? You know, reach out to Brian, reach out to me. Uh, I'll connect you to, but Brian or Ben, you know, they're, they're open to talk to any attorney. I'm sure that's trying to run their own firm or needs help. Or if you're, like Brian was saying, an uh, entrepreneur, you know, you want to, you want to rise to the top and do well within a firm. That's great. You know, so, but reach out to them, you know, download their stuff. You get on the email list. They send out a lot of great emails with a lot of actionable information. So at the, that's a good place to start. I would say definitely do that. Brian, anything else you want to add? Any takeaways? No, or, man. I, I appreciate you. Attorneys? Say the last part again. I said, uh, anything you want to, a good takeaway for our audience of attorneys out there. So I think attorneys, you know, we're, you're, we're uniquely situated in a profession where you have a real opportunity to make an impact on clients' lives. And in order to have the most impact that you can on clients' lives, you've got to rid yourself of what I call energy-sucking vampire clients, right? <laughs> you, and just don't be afraid to say, here's the very narrow niche of people that I serve, and I'm going to say no to everything else. It's like Derek mm -hmm. Sievers, the CD Now guy, like CD Now or CD Baby, I don't know. He has this phrase called hell yes or no, right? Okay, if this client doesn't perfectly fit my, uh, my avatar or people that I want to serve, then it's going to be a no. That frees you up then to have the time and the bandwidth and the capacity to take on all those clients for whom you are perfect for your hell yes bucket of clients. 
but the thing is that if you're if you're saddled with a bunch of c and c plus people mm. and they're taking mm. up all of your time then you don't have the time to do the wonderful job that you can do and have the impact that you can have as a lawyer that you went to law school to have on your best clients. So that's what I would encourage people to do. New year, new you, fire your worst client and move on with your life. That's good advice right there. And we we did this years ago and it was really odd for me because I like to please people. I like to, to work with anybody if I can, but at the end of the day, you can't. And you know, I think the guilt builds up over time. If you're like, man, we're not putting enough time with our best clients and you know because you've got all these other clients and so you really have to do what what brian was just saying and focus niching is is i think the best thing we ever did i know that for sure but again it doesn't be just a, a a niche like hey we only do car accidents but within your clientele like what's your ideal client what are <clears throat> what kind of clients you're looking for mm-hmm. and, and stick to it uh and refer out the other ones if you want you know mm-hmm. so great great advice so, well, Brian, I appreciate you coming on. A lot, a lot was shared. And uh, anyone wants to reach out to Brian, what's the best way to connect with you other than putting their email? Yeah, address? I'm most active on LinkedIn and then on Instagram, the Brian Glass uh, at the Brian Glass, and then you find me on Instagram. Just type in my name. Yep, I follow you there and see you uh, post often. So, yeah. And then another thing, uh, we have a, a Facebook group that I started just from out of this podcast. And I've invited most guests and uh, other managing partners that I know, but I think we have about 80 law firm managing partners. Uh, it's a new group, not a paid group, not anything more than a Facebook group. But if you're interested, reach out to me. Happy to send you an invite. And, um, you know, just trying to build a community where people can share ideas and thoughts um, and things like what Brian has here, uh, his events. So hit me up and let me know, and I can get you an invite to that. Uh, outside of that, Brian, thanks so much. Everyone have a great new year because that's when we're, we are in the new year. If you haven't set your goals or you're not working towards your goals, we both are uh, pushing you. So get those goals going, set those goal posts where you want to be. But I think the main thing too is what Brian said is look back at that and say, Hey, is if I accomplish that, what it would, what it really mean for me? And, and is that something I really want to accomplish? How would it change my life? And maybe rethink those goals. So awesome. All right, everyone, have a great day, and we'll see you soon. Brian, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. We have been producing this podcast for years, have had hundreds of guests, and produced hundreds of episodes. We don't ask for much, but I do have one ask. If you find value in this podcast, please share it with one person just like you. The best way to do that is to send them to ArrayDigital.com where we have a full library of all the episodes that they can sort by practice area and or state. So again, we appreciate you listening and thanks for sharing.